Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drill. I've been putting this off for quite a while on my whiteboard right next to my desk here. I've I've had it sketched. I got like a little schedule for the podcast that I've had written out or ideas that I've just been chomping on and and wanting to get to and address as as time allows. Um, and I think the one that's been up here the longest is one that I um, am both really looking forward to talking about, but also uh, feel a bit overwhelmed to address it just because it's such a big topic. Um, it's something that is, um, you know, there's a lot of different variables, a lot of different um, uh, manifestations of, of th- these pieces that we're talking about. And, and what I'm talking about is is the idea of building a godly home. And so here I am, I'm, I'm putting my, my foot to the pedal here, and we are um, starting this kind of mini series within the podcast on um, building a home and I'm building a godly home and I, I want to chip away at it little by little. Now, th- this has been, as I said, it's been on my whiteboard for a long time. It's because um, for a long time I've been thinking about this f- for a couple of reasons. Number one, we have a, a young church. Um, we have a lot of kids and man, I just praise God for the kids that we have in this church and the life that He's he's blessed us with. Such a huge, tremendous blessing. Um, and so we, we, as we have these kids, we've been entrusted with kids, uh, we have a great responsibility for discipling and raising these kids up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Uh, and so there, there's the need for this conversation given uh, we have so many young families, a lot of families that are, you know, kids, grade school age and younger. And so uh, there's a need for this conversation, but also... Uh, it's something that that scripture has sort of been provoking me um, to, to address further in depth. First was uh, the first time that I, I really kind of like was wrestling with it and trying to figure out how how I can um, expand on this topic more was when we were preaching through Colossians. And uh, at the time we were, it was like during COVID era. And so I think I, at that point I was preaching blacktop sermons, if you remember that season of life where we we were outside sweating to death uh, for our Sunday morning gatherings, which was still good, but it was still hot. So I, I remember having, and the kids were sitting with us, and so between the heat and, and the distraction of the kids, uh, I remember having to kind of move through these sermons quickly, and I, I just felt bummed out that I didn't have, uh, and, and by that I mean I was like preaching half the time that I usually preach. So instead of a, a 45, 50-minute sermon, I was preaching like a 20, 25-minute sermon, which I can't hardly believe that I, I am able to do that. Um and so it, that left me wanting to to address it more. Uh, then we got into the book of Ephesians. Uh, uh, I don't know what couple a year after that or so. Um, and both of those uh, books of the Bible have a, a decent amount to say about about um, 
building a godly family, as as Paul talks about household codes, which is a uh, it's a Greco-Roman idea. Uh, this idea, like creating a standard of of what a normal family looks like, or w- what the dynamics of a family are meant to be, according to a social um, kind of like a social creation. Um, and in, in that time, it was a, a Greco-Roman, or even even the Jews adopted it, so they had a, a Jewish sort of foundation. But for the Jews, it even went back further um, than that because you have got the Torah, you've got the law of God, so Deuteronomy that instructs on how how these dynamics are supposed to be raised uh, to be brought up. But what Paul does, he borrows the structure of this Greco-Roman format of the household code. He injects uh, what it means to be a Christian family. So he talks about being uh, a godly husband, uh, a godly wife, uh, a godly parent, and godly children. And kind of works out the household code uh, for Christians. So we had that going on. And then this past summer, we preached through the mission, the vision of, of Sacred City Church, which is uh, make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. And the people who are we, we have the most urgency and responsibility to disciple are the children, are the children in our own household. Uh, and so there, there was that emphasis that got put on. And then you think of, of the idea of, of renewing the city. And uh, when we talk about renewing the city, uh, we have to have a general generational um, view of this thing. I don't think that we, we can't tackle society's problems uh, in my lifetime or, or just in, in this short in one lifetime. It's got to be this this long-term project that God is doing and, and he's calling his people into, uh, which is why I think at the end of that prayer where, where the Apostle Paul is, I think in Ephesians 3, where he's, he's making this big appeal, a God who, who can do more than we can even fathom, he can even ask for. Uh, and he says, may, may the glory belong to God and the church through all generations. I think that's, that's part of that's what's built in that's sort of motivating um, some of the, this uh, conversation that the Apostle Paul has um, with these churches. And so we, we talked about that. Uh, and then as we come through the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, there's a lot of, of talk here about the mission of God, or, or specifically their mission uh, is to build the wall and to create, uh, rebuild Jerusalem. And what you see, especially in the passage that we're about to tackle this week, is it's a family affair. Um, you see families, you see households, you see um, the, these uh, family systems coming together um, and working on different sections of, of building the wall. And so all of these things have some commonality here about uh, the role of families in the work of renewing the city or, or the role of families in the mission of God. And so I think it's crucial for us, uh, given all these things, to, to really give ourselves to uh, asking the question of what does it look like how do we how do we go about building a godly home and, and I hope that you desire that I, I um, you know I think that's where we need to start first is is to say um, yeah I want a godly home and and here's what I mean by wanting a godly home I want a, a home that is marked by the fruit of the spirit uh, love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness self-control like th- those are the things that sounds like a, an environment that just is full of life full of love full of joy and laughter that that's what we mean. We're not talking about building a stuffy home. We're not talking about building a legalistic home, although some people might look at what I'm talking about and call it legalistic, but I, I would argue about that. Um, uh, so that's not all we're talking about. We're, we're talking about creating um, a family, uh, uh, an ecosystem, a uh, family network that is just enthralled by God's grace and is living life to the fullest as Jesus has come uh, to offer us. And so um, I think that's something that's well worth giving our, our lives to, something that's worth diving into and exploring uh, how we go about doing that. So as we talk about building a godly home, uh, there's a couple layers to this. Um, first, you have... Uh, 
uh, I think what comes to mind first is, is parents and children. How, how do you have a parent-child relationship? What does it look like to, to, to be a good, godly parent? What kind of things are we pursuing? What are we giving ourselves? What are we asking from our kids? Um, so that, that's, that's one layer of the conversation. The other layer is uh, a, the godly marriage. How do we build a godly marriage? What are the keys to that? Um, which scripture speaks about what a godly marriage looks like. And so we'll be able to dive into that into a later episode. Uh, but it, it all starts at first with the individual. It starts with um, the head of the family uh, taking responsibility, this personal ownership, this personal responsibility uh, for for pursuing piety within the household. Uh, and so that's, that's what I want to start out with today. And talking about the uh, think approaching um, building a godly home by thinking of what do I need to do as an individual first. Um, so as we get going in this conversation, I, I want to kind of back up uh, just a little bit here and, and provide a little bit of context because what we're talking about in building a godly home uh, means that you're exercising some kind of leadership, um, or in other words, you, you're exercising. There, there's a, a practice of government um, that is going on in the household when we think about government, typically our mind goes to like the state, the federal government, the president, the legislatures. We're thinking of civil government. Um, and, and that is one of the three spheres of government that God has created. He did create the polis, uh, the, the, the political environment, the, the civil government. Um, in Romans 10, the apostle Paul says that the, the civil magistrates are ministers of God. They're actually appointed by God. So so guys like um, upon the Pontius Pilate, uh, like uh, Caesar, like um, Pharaoh, like all of our presidents and every world leader, every every mayor, every anybody who has any ounce of civil uh, authority has been appointed by God. Um, and that's something that's, that's at times hard to believe because a lot of people uh, that get into these positions um, are rebels of God. They have no interest in taking the authority that God has given them and using it to honor God. In fact, they use that authority God has given them to kind of wave the middle finger in God's face. Uh, and that's something that they're going to have to answer for. But nevertheless, these people have been appointed by God uh, for a specific task, which uh, Scripture sums up in this way. They said they're given the sword. Um, the, the civil government is given the sword to punish evil and to promote good. So the idea of creating a just society, creating uh, a society that is just and and functions um, in a way that, that promotes uh, uh the prosperity, sort of an in equal um, approach to prosperity. That that's a job of the civil government. Um, but the government that comes before the civil government is uh, the government of the church or government of God's people. Um, and so we see this in the Old Testament with the um, with the Levites. You see it with the the high priests, um, and even how the kings and the high priests are to interact with each other. You see this sort of um, the 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 government of God's people in sort of a religious sense. And, and in the New Testament, that carries on with the elders and the deacons, th- those people who are granted authority by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, preachers, um, and prophets—I think I said that already—have uh, been have been appointed by Jesus to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So you've got elders, you've got deacons, uh, and these are are the authorities. These this is the government of the church, the 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 ecclesiastical government. 
Um, and then even going before that, you got to back up to the Garden of Eden, where God creates Adam, God creates Eve, and he walks Eve down the aisle and gives Eve to Adam and says, the, the, the man shall leave his father and his mother and, and uh, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And here, God is creating um, the government of the family. Um, this is the government th that, that comes before all other governments. It's the, the government that has the most authority that's been given to um, by God. It's and it, and it has a, a hierarchy of sorts, um, not of sorts, but it is a hierarchy. We talk about headship, um, where Adam is the head of Eve. Um, he, he's the, the, the one that's responsible for leading the family. He has that authority. Um, you see it going from husbands and wives in Ephesians 5. Um, in Ephesians 6, you see it with parents and children, uh, fathers and their their kids exercising authority. So there, there is an authority structure within uh, the family. So what we're talking about here when we're talking about um, building a godly home is a form of government that God has instituted, the, the family government. Now, all of these forms of government, the civil, the church, uh, the family government, all is under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Um, so Jesus has the authority. You go to Colossians 1, that he's preeminent. He's above all things, that he has the authority, and he's the one that's that's delegating authority. Uh, and so all of these, these forms of government must be subjected to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and part of of the commissioning of Jesus to the family um, is is uh, there's just a lot that goes into it. So um, families are responsible for um, for the discipline of their children. Um, so the, the training and instruction of children, specifically spiritual discipline of training them and raising them up in the covenant, the understanding of of the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, and training them in obedience. So that's part of discipline. The other is of, of welfare. So uh, there's this responsibility upon uh, the family to train uh, these children, not just in the spiritual realm, but how do you, how are you um, going to make a living? How are you going to go to work? What are the basic life skills uh, that you need to succeed in in this world, in a society? There, there are skills, uh, there's, it necess necessitates training in welfare. And then the other one is in education, that, that um, both uh, religious education, we see Deuteronomy chapter six, where you're supposed to bind all all of the commandments of God on forehead, put them before your eyes, put them on your house, everywhere. You're supposed to teach your kids as you go, as you sit, as you lie, as you as you walk around, um, as you sit to eat. Everywhere you're supposed to be instructing your children. Um, and so education, just in spiritual, and also the responsibility uh, of education is sort of like the, uh, what you'd call in like the liberal arts. Um, so teaching children. Now, we have schools, uh, we've got homeschools, you've got Christian schools that can operate in, in uh, they call it in in loco parentis, so in the place of parents. So you you have um you have somebody else, you have a third party that's stepping in to kind of provide the instruction in the educational um, format, which is is permissible. Um, but the the one thing that the scripture speaks to is is training children in a Christian worldview, teaching them the ways of God, not just as it pertains to salvation, but as it, as it pertains to all of life. And so that 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 it uh, really encompasses a lot of what the family is doing. That's why there's the, the biggest emphasis on the family, the household, that that family government, and why it's so much worth the time uh, to talk about that. Because if if families neglect this, well, the, where are they going to go to? Um, who, who if they abdicate that responsibility, who's going to step in to do that? Who's going to step in and instruct their children in, in those matters? Well, um, in in a sort of 
if you're in a church, hopefully the church steps up to help train and equip the parents to step into that and like kind of release them back to that work. Um, or in the case where a parent can't do that, you know, um, uh, the church family, the covenant community has the ability to step into that and, and help out in, in various ways, um, which is a good thing. God God provides that that covenantal community um, as a safety net, as a, um, a safeguard, as, as a, a way to equip uh, his people um, for the work that he's called them to. Um, but if the church doesn't do it, or, or maybe that, that family doesn't go to the church for instruction, for help uh, in, in taking on that responsibility, well, guess who's going to step up and take it? Um, it's going to be the state. The state's going to take over, and the state's going to take responsibility for teaching your kid welfare. And they're not going to teach your kid from a Christian worldview. They're going to teach them from a, a secular worldview. They're going to insist, well, um, the the facts that we in, are instructing them in are neutral, but th- that there's no such thing as neutral. Um, it's the myth of neutrality. Everything comes from a worldview. Everything has a lens. Everything has a a um, something behind it uh, that is holding it up. And so it's really important for uh, Christians to to instill in their children a Christian, a biblical worldview, um, so that they can navigate life uh, according to God and His Word. So uh, all of this to be said, uh, I kind of gave you a, a long-winded uh, explanation here of the different kinds of governments to say, but, but when we're talking about building a godly family, what we're talking about is family government. Um, and, and the uh, the power of a family government, a family that's well governed, a family that is the pursuing godliness and walking in obedience to God's word, is that there's a lot of power. There, there's a lot of uh, potential for change and impact to happen, um, both within the church. We talk about reforming the church, but also reforming society. Talking about renewing the city, and so again, this comes back to hey, why this conversation is so important. But if we're going to get into that, um, somebody has to take responsibility for governing the family. Somebody has to take on um, the ownership of saying, okay, uh, I, it begins with me. Um, I cannot lead my wife um, into godliness if I myself am, un- am not pursuing godliness myself. I can't lead my kids into godliness if I am not pursuing godliness myself. And so it starts with this personal responsibility, um, or in other words, a self-government, um, to give myself to uh, uh, the pursuit of personal piety. It's crucial. Um, In fact, if that personal piety, that that drive um, of self-regulation, of self-government doesn't exist, um, all other forms of government are going to collapse because it all rises and falls on the ability uh, for individuals to govern themselves. But somebody has to be the first one to step up and say, I'm going to take this on. So what does this look like? What does it it look like for a person, an individual, whether it's the husband or the wife or both of you at the same time, saying, hey, I I want to... uh, this is a uh, something that I want to shoulder up underneath of. Uh, I, I want to take this on. I want to give myself to building a godly family. What do I got to do? Well, it's a great question. Um, it starts with the Word of God. Hands down. That's where it starts. Um, we, we've been given everything that that pertains to life and godliness God has disclosed all that we need in his word uh, it's profitable for teaching for training rebuking equipping all of it as as second uh, Timothy says um, so we we go to the word of God because it is going to be our trainer it's going to be our teacher it's going to give us insight now th- this requires a a um, a ruthless commitment to the word of God so not just taking scripture uh, the scriptures that we agree with or that we are naturally 
inclined to agree with or, or just adopting as herself, but letting the Word of God speak to all of my life. So I'm not compartmentalizing my life before God where I can say, uh, you know, if I say, Jesus, my Lord, um, he's my Lord of everything. He's, there's every, he touches everything. There's nothing that's off limits. So as far as touching uh, my, my morals and my, my daily disciplines and my work ethic and my integrity and virtue and my sex ethic and the way that I, I parent and my demeanor and the way that I commu- so all, the way that I communicate, all of these things uh, come underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so I have to give myself uh, to studying the Word of God so that I can be trained. This is, this is what's key. This is one of the things that's driving um, my desire uh, for us t- to feast to flourish, right? That the whole campaign that we've been giving ourselves to this year, and, and we're gonna we're gonna keep going. I I, I had a meeting uh, this week. I said, hey, for the rest of my uh, pastorate here at Sacred City Moline, we're gonna have a, a church wide Bible reading plan. It's crucial. Um, because th- that's the foundation for us um, to 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 grow deeper. Now, the thing uh, that the word does is it points us to the gospel. Um, so we can't just be legalistic and saying uh, we got like it's it's like the word of treating the word of God like it's just a laundry list of rules to follow. Uh, the word of God is is leading us to a person. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and so it's leading us into a relationship with Jesus. And as we behold the glory of Jesus, we look at Him face to face. We 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 um, see Him for who He is, like this perfect. God. God, man, who who took on sin and brokenness, like he, he by his wounds were healed. We see Jesus for who he is, and as we are transfixed on him, we are transformed by him. And so this is part of personal piety, right? But the, the word of God is what brings us face to face with Jesus. It's what discloses Jesus. So I'm not re, re, um, relying upon my 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 own imagination for what Jesus is like. I'm not relying on my own construction of Jesus because if you're constructing Jesus, well, you're you're constructing a Jesus who's so much like you, maybe just a little bit better than you, but he's he's made in your likeness and image rather than you being made and recreated in his likeness and image. And so we need the Word of God to show us uh, what Jesus is like, but but also see that the Word of God is bringing us into a personal relationship with Jesus. And when we have this relationship with Jesus, we have this union with Christ. Um, one of the, the blessings of that is the Spirit of God resides in us. And, and as I mentioned um, with the fruits of the Spirit earlier, with you know wanting our household to be marked by that, is that we begin to see that the, that fruit of the Spirit produced in our life. So we give ourselves, it's not just like a, a magic, you know, like overnight transformation that happens, um, but it, it's an awareness of the work that God is doing. So every Christian Christian can say, I know that God wants me to be a more self-controlled person. I know that God wants me to be a more joyful person. I know that God wants me to be more loving and gentle. And you can go into other things like like generosity and hospitality. And I think all of those are microcosms of of, of the fruit of the spirit. Um, but you. You can every Christian can say God wants more of this for me because I have not maxed that out. There is no human being that has maxed out self control. God is always refining us, but Jesus has that. Jesus was perfect in his self control. Jesus was perfect in all of the fruit of the Spirit, and by His Word, by the Gospel, He is transforming us through the power of the Spirit uh, to become more like Him. The question is: Are we giving ourselves to that kind of transformation? Are we are we opening up our Bibles? Are we communing with Jesus in a way that and and, and letting surrendering to the work of the Spirit in a way that promotes that sort of personal 
characteristic uh, that we want to see, not just in ourselves, but our families uh, to be marked down. And so very much there's this trickle-down effect that that as the head of the household grows in, in the likeness and image of Christ, as they grow in the fruit of the Spirit, though, those things become contagious. In fact, all anything that the, the head of the household does is contagious. So if you're pessimistic, if you're uh, a cynic, um, if you if you are um, what do you call it? If you're critical, uh, if you're grumpy, if you're lazy, if you're all of the negative virtues, like all of those things are contagious. But also, so are all the good things. So it's up for the head of the household to really embody these things, to give an example, right? That's what it kind of, kind of goes back to. So like the father being the one that's championing this, that's pioneering this, it's because we are reflecting our heavenly father. That's that's the duty of a father, the duty of the head of the household is to reflect the character of our heavenly father. So we've got a lot of work to do. Every father has a lot of work to do in that regard. Um, but but it's up to us to embody that on an individual's be sort of self-regulated, um, giving ourselves to discipleship, putting ourselves in the context and, and community is a piece of that. So not only am I opening up the Word of God um, and, and studying it, not only am I communing with Jesus through prayer and sacrament, um, but but I'm also communing with the saints, the congregation. I'm, I'm living in community. I'm letting other people speak into my life. So listen, this means that you probably need to be engaged in a missional community. Like you, in order to to be a godly person, you need to have community. Um, it, it's a non-negotiable in Scripture. It's not like an optional. Like, hey, here's JV Christians. They they don't need to be involved with this because they're just trying to you know get by. And the varsity Christians, you know, here here's how you level up, get involved with community. No, it's every Christian needs to be in community and involved and invested in that. Uh, and so if you're not, I, I encourage you to get more plugged in, get invested in that, um, and be there to learn, not just to kind of go through the motions, but be there to learn, be there to be discipled, talk to somebody, say, hey, I'd really like to grow in this area. Can can we sit down and talk about this? And maybe you find yourself in a fight club, a group of those people who are are committed to this work together, right? This individual responsibility, I want to become more like Jesus. And that's where it starts, with the head of the household, that person, um, whether they're you know, whether you're a, a married couple, um, father of a, a, you know, a nuclear family like that, or you're a single mother, or you're a mother uh, of a family uh, where your husband is an unbeliever, there's somebody has to take that ownership and say, hey, I am going to give myself uh, to this this quest of personal piety. Uh, and that's really where it all begins and it trickles down from. So uh, the keys of that, right, the Word of God, um, getting Go, growing deeper in in the gospel, understanding, right, being reminded uh, of who Jesus is uh, and, and our understanding of that, um, and that happens within the context of community, of community, communing with Jesus and His people, um, and so, th- and then, and then living it out on mission, because um, the whole point of of having a godly family is um, your your kids are arrows you're going to shoot out, like there's a target out there. The target isn't in your household. Um, your kids are meant to be crafted and, and, and you know, your quiver full of bows that have been carefully crafted that, that are, you know, the, the meticulous detail that goes into aligning the arrowhead perfectly and, and getting the, man, I don't even know the terminology is, but those little guide rudder things, the feathers, you know, you, you want to get those, make sure that the, the arrow itself is straightened out, right? And then you shoot them out. The impact is meant to be had in in the greater community, right? In the church community, in society at large, not just in the family. And the hope is that, that they carry on this, this legacy. 
that they would carry on this. So we go from one generation to the next of godliness, of building godly homes, and by the Lord's grace and kindness, that they can build on the godliness that, that they experience and do even better. Man, that's my prayer for my kids, um, is that I just pray... You know, I, I'm not perfect. Um, don't don't get it twisted here as I sit here and I talk about building God. I, I do not have a perfect godly family. Uh, I'm not perfect at it. There, there are places where I need to grow uh, as a pastor, um, but but I do feel like I have, I have a general competency of it. In fact, if I didn't have a general competency of it, I would be disqualified from the ministry. Um, but uh, I... I, I speak um, not as an expert, but somebody who is very much a practitioner, um, but I'm still very much growing in this in this thing. And, and I see uh, the need for God to grow me in, as the individual first so that I can step into my role as a husband, as a father uh, to, to a greater degree. So uh, what I, what I want to start out by saying here, and I'm wrapping it up, is that this whole thing of, of building a godly family begins with you, listener, um, taking responsibility for your own discipleship. It begins by saying, okay, God, what do you have for me? How do you want to grow me? What does it look like Look like to give myself uh, to, to the work that the Holy Spirit is doing to produce in me to, to an even greater extent? Um, because I believe that, that it's likely that you're already demonstrating some of the fruit of the Spirit, but to an even greater extent, um, showing, demonstrating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, that that's the question, um, and that's what I want to invite you into as we begin this series on building a godly home. So listen, it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with us together, going to the Word of God, flocking to the gospel, building our lives on on the Word of Christ, uh, and letting Him rule in our hearts and, and direct our ways all the days of our life. And and we're going to get into the other implications uh, in the coming weeks of of what it looks like in marriage and what it looks like as parents and some of the um, the, the characteristics and also the routines, the rhythms um, that that godly households are, are are going to demonstrate as we give ourselves to obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we go. We're kicking it off. Uh, hopefully that was helpful to you starting the, to lay a foundation. And I'm looking forward to digging this into this anymore. Listen, if you've got any questions about what I've said, um, I want to be as clear as possible. I, I want to um, be as helpful as possible. So would you shoot me your your email? Uh, shoot me an email if you've got questions. Um, if there's something that I, I, you know, I literally am just sitting here in front of a microphone rambling sometimes. And so um, I... I, the, my wife tells me I have a, a tendency to not finish my sentences. Um, and so there's times that I'm pretty sure on this podcast, I've done that a time or two. So uh, if I've left you hanging there and a, an incomplete thought, I want to clear it up. So hit me up. Let's talk about it. And uh, I'm looking forward to kind of building out the next several weeks here of, of what it looks like to build a godly family with you. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I look forward to worshiping with you. Uh, on Sunday as we get to celebrate baptisms. Man, I'm excited for that. Uh, We'll see you there. May the Lord bless and keep you.